I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. What's up, everyone? This is Noah Daniels, and welcome to another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. For those of you who have enjoyed us having some people on from Ink Masters, we have a real treat for you. We have Emily Elegato. Uh, she was on season five of Ink Masters. It was the Rivals season. Uh, she's an amazing tattoo artist. We always enjoy following her social media and the artwork that she posts. And I can't wait to ask her some questions about the supernatural. And maybe we'll sneak in a couple questions about Ink Masters as well. She's kind enough to come on and co-host this episode with me. Emily, how are you doing tonight? I'm really good. I just got off of work. I just got back from the Denver convention. I'm, I'm in a really good headspace. And I'm really, really excited about doing this. When you reached out to me a few weeks ago, I at first I was like, what? What is this? Come on. And then... I was listening to some of your podcasts and normally I don't listen to spooky stuff because I scare really easy. Yeah. But I was so thrilled with like, you know, the way you present it and, and just like how it's how it's done. And it was really fun. And that's what I, you know, I don't know. It was exciting. I really liked it. So I was totally on board and I'm really excited to be here. Oh, well, that's super kind. That actually gave me some chills. So I, I appreciate <laughs> that. And one of the reasons we've been so fortunate with the podcast being what I think is good is because we've had awesome guests and people who have listened to the podcast that come on and this episode will be no different as we have Yolanda she emailed us 
gosh, uh, several weeks ago, I think, and I told her I'd get her on and we have been in the process of selling our home and buying a new home and we're actually finally moving next week. So life has been just kind of all over the place. Uh, but I knew I wanted to get her on. She's got some really interesting, I think, spooky stories. Yolanda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we're going to do this episode slightly different, and then we'll kind of jump into our normal rhythm. I did have some questions for Emily before we go straight into our interview. So Emily, one thing we do like to ask our guest co-hosts and our guests, we'll ask Yolanda as well, we like to ask people about their believometer. Zero meaning they don't believe in ghosts, and 10 ghosts are absolutely real. Where do you fall on that scale? Oh, I'm like definitely an 11. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm hook, line, and sinker. I've, I've just experienced too much weird stuff in life, like, and so have other people. You, you can't tell me it's not real. Like, I don't know. I've, I've always believed it. I know. That's the hard thing. I like, I have a, what I would consider, or what my therapist told me was like a realistic brain, but I've also had experiences that kind of make it difficult to explain things away. So I think that's one of the things that I enjoy so much about this podcast. I won't go into the whole story because I've told it too many times on the podcast, but just to let you know, when I was a kid, basically I was playing hide and go seek with friends and a what I thought was my friend going across the room was, I, I guess, a ghost. I put my hand through them and it turned around and looked at me and disappeared. We all screamed and ran out of the room. We were like 10 or 11 and my friend's house that it happened at, we still talk about it to this day. But, Amazing. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, I don't even know if I believe it and it happened to me. So uh, <laughs> I love it. I love that's, it. <laughs> that's kind of the nutty thing. Well, so you did tell me as we were kind of talking online that you grew up in a town that had like some hauntings and stuff in it. Is that right? Yeah. So I grew up in a little town in Southwest Wisconsin called Mineral Point. Um, it's named that because in the 1800s, they started uh, mining lead there. And at, at one point, Mineral Point had a larger population than Chicago, Illinois did. There were so many miners and families and, and you know people and whatnot. It's really old. And there's tons of like abandoned mines that people find every once in a while. It's, it's just a really cool place, but it's known for the, the zinc mining because it turns out there was no lead, but there was tons of zinc. It's super haunted and there's tons of stories all over the area. And I just, I hope and wish that people knew more about it because it's, it's just really fun. Cool. Is there any like specific haunting that kind of sticks out in your memory or was it just a lot of people reporting ghosts so, everywhere? So I have two stories. Um, one is a haunting and the second one is a vampire what okay yeah let's uh let's let's hear both of those i definitely want to hear about the vampire i've been watching that show on fx what we do in the night or think oh, what we do in the shadows, shadows yes that. oh my gosh and like my friends we just quote we just like we see each other we're like get them all like i don't know it's just, it's just so much fun um okay awesome well yeah we'd love to hear your stories yeah, okay, so the haunting part, um, and I apologize for the, the theatrical thunderstorm playing in my background <laughs> no right now, but um, the timing, it's amazing. So there's this place called the Walker House. It used to be an inn back in the 1800s, really old. It's been most recently, and as far as I understand it, is currently open as a restaurant and bar. When I was little, my mom's best friend was our next door neighbor and she worked there on the weekends as a bartender 
And one night she went to, um, uh, she went to put some glasses up on a high shelf and like all old bars, there's lots of shelves. And then there's always a glorious mirror behind, you know, behind the bar that you can always see the reflection, blah, blah, blah. So she's, you know, seeing herself obviously, and she's putting these glasses away and she goes to put one on the highest shelf and she looks and she sees two beet red eyes, just bright red eyes shining back at her on top of this shelf. Um, there's lots of stories of just heads floating around. Ugh. There's lots of um, stories of like apparitions of men hanging. Uh, supposedly there was a man hung at one mm. point because he stole a neighbor's horse, but tons of stories, but that was my closest touch to that was her bartending and seeing, and she said she dropped the glass and ran out. She never worked there again. So Wow. That's that's been the thing for me on this podcast is you can take any one story and dismiss it. Like you can take sure. here once, but then you hear like 180 stories and they have so many similarities. You just start to go, yeah, probably true. Yeah, I'm just gonna go yeah. ahead and say say that happened. And they're also uh interesting but also scary. That would definitely scare me. Okay, when, I want to hear about the vampire. Um in March of 81. Uh, there was a call that there was somebody lurking around in the cemetery and being a kid we hung out in all of the cemeteries we were the weird kids so I've definitely been in the cemetery so it's always just funny to like relate back to it um but they got a call that there was um a person in a, a very pale person it might have been painted his face painted white wearing all black very you know uh like a cape at one point is is quoted six foot five and quote ugly so, and the cop's like, okay, I'll go out and look. So he goes out there, he sees a person, and they take off running instantly. They clear a four-foot fence, just literally, they just jumped right up and over it. Like, you know, no problem whatsoever. And on the other side was a pole pasture. So, of course, the cop didn't go into it. Dangerous. So that happened. Um, people made fun of it in the town. A lot of people went out dressed up as vampires that year, you know, whatnot. Um, about 23 years later, in March of 2004, they, uh, of course, the police had to respond to another person that was all clad in dark clothing with a very pale complexion and uh, sitting outside of an apartment complex, supposedly uh, tormenting tenants. They tried to chase him. He took off very quickly. They followed his tracks to a cement wall where there were no tracks after that. So that was the latest that they have on this record is that in 2008, they were out, uh, two people were out by Ludden Lake, um, which is really well known in the area. And there's a dam and they heard something scratching around the dam. And this person crawled out from underneath this uh, scaffolding area and proceeded towards them in a cape with white face makeup or, or very flat or pale rather. And, um, chased them to their car and they threw the flashlight at them and super crazy right so i like I, that if if it is somebody like if it is a vampire i like that it's like a traditionalist you know it sticks to like the dracula <laughs> role he's, he's all about it so <laughs> these these are obviously stories that i grew up with in our in our local town i didn't know any of these people especially in 2008 i've long since moved away um by that time but what I do know is that a very dear friend of my family's, he was uh, a beautician and he lived down on Shake Rag Street, which is really notorious for where the miners lived 
in the area and there's a lot of historical stuff down there really old house he's got a, a spring running through the basement you know it's like that kind of a situation so um knock on the door pouring rain outside he's like who is this what could this be he opens the door and there's a man in black trousers a black turtleneck up, up to his chin a black like bowl cut and just the palest person he's ever seen in his life with these piercing blue eyes mm. and he's like sir can i help you like did you break down what's going on and the person just stared at him and he said, sir, can I help you? Are you okay? Are you in shock? Anything? And of course, he didn't want to touch him because you don't touch a stranger on your porch. That's that yeah. creepy. But um, he said that finally, he just, the man never said anything and just kept staring at him. He said, whatever, dude, do you? And just closed his door. And he said he closed the door and he sat for a second and thought, I wonder what that was. That just seemed too weird. You know, like it, it was, the whole demeanor was very odd. It was very... Um, he looked very mod, uh, you know, very 1960s, um, uh, fashionable. It, he just all looked out of place. And he opened the door again, like literally just a second later, like, no, maybe I should open the door again. And the guy was absolutely gone. So, wow. and I've always attributed that to the vampire stories. That's wild. Yeah. We haven't kind of think we, we haven't really had anybody on that claims they've seen a vampire. We have a frequent co-host who kind of lives the life of a vampire she has implanted uh vampire teeth in her mouth that she got in new orleans <laughs> which is like kind of wild but she's super cool well thank you for sharing those stories i did want to give kind of our audience of you know like a snapshot of kind of your history with the haunting and your your town i thought that sounded really interesting and i do have like a couple more questions and then we'll jump right into yolanda's story and spend some time with our guests so I did want to ask, so obviously you were on Ink Masters and um, I have done some like small acting stuff and and I've never done reality TV, although I got close to being um, casted on a show that's going to be called Million Dollar Island, but it was going to take like a three month commitment and just with a two year old, I just couldn't. I don't know. I think Good I'm going to have to, yeah, I think I'm going to have to put stuff like that on the back burner for a little while. Primarily, I just do comedy and stuff. Um, here Good in for Atlanta. you. That's great. Yeah. But anyway, I say all that because uh, we had Kyle on and, you know, he had a certain portrayal of, of himself on the show to the yeah. point where he got kicked off for, uh, you know, having a, a heated engagement with a, with one of the judges. But so you came on that show you had a very big personality. I think I remember reading that they attributed you saying that you're, they were going to have to change the name of the show to Ink Mistress instead of Ink Masters. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. I mean, that a and, lot of crazy stuff. <laughs> and Emily, how, how long? Because I know cause for me, all of that show feels so recent because I just got my first tattoos in the past two years and because yeah. the nut i am i was like well i really want to know what i'm getting into so i was like what's a good way so i'll just watch all of ink masters that'll <laughs> give me a crash course of what to expect in tattoos so i've kind of recently been through every season but for you i mean this was like what 2008 or 10 what, oh, 14 14 okay for 2014 oh, so wow. a little bit ago what has it been like for you with people rediscovering ink masters through all these um streaming platforms because it's on i know it's on netflix it's on um i think paramount 
plus as well has all the seasons. And then of course there's always, you know, stuff you can find on YouTube. Have you found that that's kind of brought that back into your life? I mean, you're a tattoo artist. So I'm sure it must come up. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, like, honestly, the messages never stop. People just had to reach out. They were just so compelled by that character to express the way that they felt. Yeah, I still weekly death threats and like yeah. Whoa, wow. Yeah, people people really, really, really hated me on that show. Which is fine. People people are are totally allowed to have their opinions about a character. But what people need to keep in mind is that I was very played up and there was a lot of editing and there was an expectation of the things that I would say on camera. No one ever handed me a script, but, but kinda, they, yeah. they made suggestions and they made it abundantly clear the type of personality they wanted me to portray. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I can't point an exact finger, but I can definitely lead you in the right direction of who to point it at. Yeah, so I mean, I created the character that you love to hate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of friends now that have been like PAs on shows or even producers on shows and stuff. Yeah. And they always say, you know, like reality TV with the, you know, the classic quotations, because you are, you know, it is real people and, you know, real circumstances, but people don't understand quite how much power not only do producers and directors have, but the editing bay can create a you know i mean i know just from this podcast i do my best to put people in their best light and stay true to what happens but like mm -hmm. i can really clean up you know audio and make people sound super succinct and nice which is beneficial yeah. for everyone but if you wanted to you could do just the opposite i mean you can make people sound like dribbling fools you, you know i mean so yeah. <laughs> um, but i will say just me as someone who grew up as kid in the 90s, grew up on reality TV with MTV. I was basically raised uh, as a latchkey kid by MTV. I loved your character on there. I mean, it's it, what, I, what I don't understand with people. I mean, I guess it's what the show wants. People get so invested that they really <laughs> it is real to them, I guess, you know, but I mean, how boring would reality TV be if you didn't have certain character arcs? on the show but i do love that now we have things like podcast and and long form medium so where it gives audiences a chance to hear your real voice i mean it, it was yeah. funny i was obviously doing like some research before you came on <laughs> most of the stuff i read was like i guess people would match you in real life they're like gosh emily's so sweet she's so nice man it's just that tv show yada 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 and i was like yeah that that sounds uh, about right i think also people don't quite understand you weren't just on a reality TV show, but you were an artist who, you know, my understanding, it's really kind of being presented to you as like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity mm -hmm. to get the thing you probably love the most, or at least, you know, in a working fashion and present it to the world, you know? So, I mean, that's a lot yeah. of pressure um, yeah. on you guys as well. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I think it's super cool that you took the risk of even going on that show. Uh, it's it's hard to put anybody's self out there like I that. Think, honestly, for the record, I'm very proud of the, the character that I was able to put forth because even though <laughs> there are plenty of times I look and sound like I am out of my fucking mind. Like, sorry to drop it off, Bob, but um, I just, I look, I look like a crazy person. I'm proud of myself. Give me an Emmy.
<laughs> Look at all of these people. We'll give you They're a ghosty. Gonna... That's about as best as we can do. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it, baby. No, I'm very proud of the work that I did. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on. I know you all as tattoo artists live a pretty, pretty busy life and, and stay busy. So it's always exciting for us for y'all to come on. And of course, we are excited to interview Yolanda. Yolanda, thank you so much for coming on as well. I enjoyed reading your email. Thank you for putting together like a very succinct, <laughs> like storied emails. Um, you know, we, we we're kind of blessed at this point in the podcast where we do get fans, for the most part, the podcast books itself, and then allows us to bring on people like Emily. Um, it's kind of a treat for me and the audience too. But it's always appreciated when the emails are like, I'm like, oh, this is an adult that sent this. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to just, I guess, with, as far as my profession, I'm putting together presentations and things like that on the regular. So yeah, I'm kind of detail oriented in that way. Yeah, no, it's appreciated. Well, let me ask you the same question. You know what's coming on the believe meter zero, meaning you don't believe in ghosts and 10 ghosts are absolutely real. Where do you fall on that scale? I would usually say a 10, but I'm going to say a nine because I try to find, even with my own experiences, I have skepticisms and I try to think like there has to be another reason or excuse as to what's happening. Some are just undeniable. And I'm like, okay, to me, I'll just be like, oh my gosh, shit just got real in here. Okay. So yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I'm going to say a hard nine because I, I still question everything and, and just have to accept some things as being truth. Sure. I, I think that's, I think a nine out of 10 is more, more than fair for <laughs> people who have uh, had ghost experiences. Well, your story, like many people who have had supernatural stories starts when you were fairly young. Can you tell us about mm -hmm. that first encounter? So I want to say I was about eight or nine years old. And I always had like, there's certain, as a child, there were certain houses, you know, grandmother's houses or wherever that just made me feel uncomfortable. And I didn't know why, because nothing in particular to this point had ever happened besides having to go to like some funerals when I was a kid and that kind of scarred me. But um, yeah, when I was about eight or nine years old, I very, I just always felt uncomfortable in my house, in my bedroom. And I think this was before my sister was born. So I had the bedroom to myself, but we had at, um, when you come into my room, there was um, twin beds and um, there was a dresser, like when you, to the right, there were the twin beds that faced that, were like you walk in between those. And then there was a dresser on the wall when you first come in that had the mirror, like, you know, it had the old, like the white dresser with the, the gold trim. And then it had the, the big mirror, the vanity mirror that was really big. And so that was at the foot of my bed. So my bed, literally, I like look over and there was this big mirror and I always hated that, but Nothing ever happened until one night. I just, I swear I was awake, but I saw this hand coming through the mirror towards me. I remember as a kid just screaming and I, I remember screaming and just waiting for my mother to come. And she finally came on, came in and turned on the light. And I'm explaining to her very definitely and strongly saying that there was a hand coming through that mirror. It was coming towards me. And she was like, you were just dreaming. I'm like, I, I couldn't get it across to her enough that I was wide awake when this was happening. You know, of course, you know, that this was back in the 70s. You know, she's like, go back to sleep. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> um, I just remember just never, I always had an unease about the house, the room itself, but there was definitely a, a mistrust in that room. 
Um, nothing like that ever happened again in that room. There was just always this uneasiness that I felt. Donnie Darko has always been one of my favorite kind of like you know, spooky <laughs> movies. I just, it's just, I don't know. It's so, um, there's such an atmosphere in that movie that it just always... <laughs> amazing because yeah. it's the best movie ever yeah it's my Never it's probably it. my favorite movie you haven't seen it Yolanda? oh please watch, please watch it please watch it please watch it i will on my to-do list it's okay i'm sure cat hasn't <laughs> seen it either uh but yeah it's so it has a scene uh this isn't really a spoiler or anything but w- with a mirror and like somebody being on the other side and and a hand situation that that your story kind of would freak me out as much as the, that freaked out the the character in that uh, in that scene. So you you see this hand come out, and you're eight or nine, and I, I think at that age it's super easy for a kid to take on an adult's explanation on things. And I think that's ultimately why probably some people stop having experiences. You know, it's it's kind of mm-hmm. like the Santa Claus isn't real effect, yeah. but that didn't happen to you. You kept having experiences. So before we dive into your next story, do you think there's anything about you specifically that opens you up to the paranormal? Um, As I became an adult and I started having these experiences, I'm like, something's going on. I don't know if I'm some, I don't know, conduit or empath or anything like that. I just know that I have, I've had some experiences that are very, very, like there's no denying what's happening. do do I feel like I'm I'm well? You know what? Let me take that back. I you know what? I think maybe I am. There's something going on because of some of the other uh, situations that I did have discussed with my mother, where she was like, don't, "Stop telling me that. I don't want to hear that." Okay, so yeah, um, and I guess I could just just say one for sure because I've been the one that if somebody was sick in the family, I, I literally at one point was living in California, which one of my stories is going to be based out of California. But I was living in California and. Um, like when somebody would get sick, I would like have the dream and I would call my mom and just say, hey, like is, I'm just gonna, you know, uh, is is aunt, um, I don't wanna say my aunt's name, but I'll just ask like, um, I'm trying to think of a fake name here out of the blue, because we have a lot of aunts. That's why I'm like, I can't even make up a fake name. I have so many aunts and uncles, that's bad. Aunt Jane Doe. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. That's so weird. Yeah, Aunt Jane Doe. Aunt Jane, there you go. Aunt Jane. So I would just call my mom and be like, hey, I just had a dream about Aunt Jane. Um, is she okay? Um, and I remember one particular one, it was not her, it was her husband who was sick. And I hadn't seen them in probably, I want to say, two, three years. But it was her husband who was sick who had actually passed uh, um, very soon afterwards. Mm. Um, and so I've had a couple of those experiences where my mom is like, just, just don't tell me that. I don't want to know, you know, because she didn't want it to be like, don't come to me and tell me I'm sick. Okay. Or are right. you okay, mother? I had a dream about you. So I yeah. get it. So I kind of stopped myself from actually um, Leaning I guess saying anything going, in, going further. This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. 
Wild Green is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your Wild Grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Yeah, we, we had one guest on who was, you know, this was like early days of Real Hauntings when the audio was like in a tin can, but um, <laughs> we had one guest who was from Russia, and this is back when we used to book primarily out of Atlanta. And she was living here as an au pair, and she claimed that whatever, the universe, God, I don't know, would send to her who was going to die. And she claimed that she knew Prince was going to die before he died, like days before he died. But the one that was kind of crazy to me, because it was so personal to her, was her favorite teacher in high school. I think it was her music teacher, because she was a pianist. She just walked by him and was like, oh, he's going to die of a heart attack in a couple of days. And I was like, did you tell him? <laughs> she was like, no, that's not my place. I was like, no! if, if, if the beings come to you and say Noah's going to die, give me a heads up because there's some stuff I need to like really push the pedal down on. Um, I wouldn't want that kind no. of I wouldn't want that kind of ability at too all. Too much pressure. Yeah, yeah just but the I, fact that I, I even dream about knowledge. it sometimes is just too much. <laughs> I would love that knowledge. knowledge. Yeah, that knowledge would be, yeah, I, I could get my will in place. I could sell off a bunch of crap. Like, I know what you meant for other people. I, I was like, well, I guess as a tattoo artist, you could just start tattooing like expiration dates on people. <laughs> That's so yes. dark. I'm sorry. That's terrible. <laughs> I do it. I totally do. I am curious. Often. Like, Emily, so one one thing I, I find, or at least there's like, um, I don't think it's necessarily a misconception, but with a lot of tattoo artists, especially, I mean, people get tattoos too. They tend to be, or, or the perception is they're kind of more into the, the spooky things. You know, there's so many old school tattoos that are like 
I mean, kind of death-based skeleton skulls, you know, all sure. that stuff. Do you find that to be true in your daily life? Like, or is that more of a misconception? Not anymore. When I first started 15 years ago, like it was definitely still biker, you know, go nuts type stuff. And even like, uh, cause you know, you had your nineties biker stuff. You had tribal, you had Japanese. Some people were doing portraits, but it wasn't like the mainstream amazing stuff that we see today i mean it wasn't it wasn't you know i mean people were still slaying it but um it's it's so different now there's so much bubblegum pink and just and 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 it's dudes and chicks you know it's not like all of a sudden oh there's women everywhere like women have been in this industry for a very long time and and it's it's just gone full circle with you know just the really cutesy fluffy marshmallowy gooey gumdrop type shit i love it dude i love the mix of it i love the evil with the the gooey cute stuff i think that's really fun um but i mean it's it's there's no hold barred on these kids now yeah the younger generation is going bananas and i love it it's really i feel more accepted now which is awesome oh yeah well they they can't deny us anymore we're everywhere yeah well speaking of accepted you both i guess enjoyed to some degree going through uh graveyards at a young age so yolanda why don't you tell us about what happened uh in that graveyard when you were 18. so um i lived in around that time i lived in santa monica and I had been going through some things and just adjusting to just a different life. And for some reason, I've always been one. I like to get up in the morning, early in the morning and go walking at daybreak, of course, not in the middle of the night. But um, I would get up and I lived in this uh, wonderful house with some roommates in Santa Monica. And I would get up and go walking. And I noticed that there was this huge cemetery, you know, in my, during my morning walk. And I've always been definitely afraid of cemeteries again because I had to go to some funerals when I was a kid so that kind of scarred me and I started going to the cemetery I just was kind of drawn to it um I felt peace at peace I felt like I can go there and just I don't know meditate or whatever you want to call it I felt just very it felt very peaceful to walk in but I was still scared so I started I I want to say I did it for like maybe I want to say it was probably two or three weeks somewhere around there, maybe three or four times in a week, come in, like maybe, you know, five headstones in and then come back out and be like, okay, that's enough. And then, you know, over time I started going in deeper and I just started feeling more and more calm. And it's like, this is like my Zen area. And I don't, again, I can't remember how many times I had gone, but I was starting to feel comfortable going into the cemetery early in the morning, the beautiful, you know, beautiful sunrise or whatever, just, it was just beautiful. And one day I came upon, as you go straight down um, the, the, I guess, driveway and, you know, there's, there's headstones on each side and I don't know how far in there were these little headstones. And I realized that they were children, infant children that had died young. So I'm looking at them and some of them had little, you know, the, the, you know, the names, the, the date of, birth and the date of death and they had like little angels and some of them had little pictures of the child um, on the headstone and I was looking at them and reading them and at one point I can't remember why I turned but I turned around to I think just look away and I felt something touch me on my shoulder just I just felt it very distinctly and I turned around and there was nobody there at all and at that point I just 
took off running just straight. I didn't look back. I knew that it was real. And I just took off running straight out of that cemetery. And I never went back in there again. But it, it really, for days afterwards, I was just like, what happened? What just really happened? I know I felt that. I know I'm not crazy. I felt that I was feeling very, very calm. And I felt it felt peaceful being there. But then it, it, it felt like somebody was like, oh, she's coming back again and again. Let me see if I can talk to her. I, I really want to talk to her. That's, that's the feeling that I got. Like there was some spirit that was there that saw me and, and was like, I think I can get through to her. That's so wild. You're blind. Yeah. I've got goosebumps everywhere. I know Emily and I both were like shuddering our shoulders in as if somebody <laughs> was touching. And so the crazy thing about that whole experience is like, I never went back to that cemetery and I would pass it all the time, but I'm like, nope, not doing that. We are not going back in there ever. Fooled me once. But, <laughs> but throughout my life since then, I've been drawn to cemeteries where I still have that urge to go and walk. Through. Now, again, I'm not doing it at night. I'm not like doing some double dog there. Like, oh, let's see if you know. <laughs> it's just like if I'm by myself, if I'm driving by a cemetery, especially an old cemetery, I have this, this very strong urge to just pull over and walk through the cemetery. Hmm. That's why. Um, yeah. I mean, that really sounds like, and this is me getting you know, I guess what people would call woo woo, but it almost sounds like, you know, maybe you have some medium callings. Have you ever thought about befriending a medium to see no. if, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can acknowledge and I know what's real and I know that there's something that's, I guess, some something is drawing me to some other existence out there. And I don't know what it is. And quite frankly, I, I don't want to know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I accept it, and I know that is there, but I really don't want to know beyond that point. That's fair. Does it, yeah, does it does it give you any peace knowing that there is something else out there? Because I think that's the thing I struggle with the most. Yeah, so I'm like you. Big fear of death. I know, you know, nobody makes it out of here alive. I, I understand that, but still, that's just something that is just, it, it's, Something that's always in there. It's like, okay, God. It's like, <gasps> just, you know, it's just something that kind of makes you wonder, like, how will it happen? But so I try not to harp on that, but there is some kind of knowingness, just knowing, you know, of course, he knows what happens after, after we're gone, but just knowing that there's something that's trying to reach me from the other side and has done it so randomly throughout my life that I know that there's something. I think it's interesting you know, saying you're setting up kind of a wall, you know, keeping your boundaries with it. But that does kind of lead us to our next topic that you emailed over. And Emily, I'm curious, did you ever <laughs> partake in seances or Ouija boards? Oh, my God, it was like a normal Friday night in middle school. <laughs> of course, we all did. And even in my adult life, I've, I've been known to, to, to dabble, to dabble. And yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair way to put it. But no, yeah, I'm all here for a seance. Yeah. <laughs> well, that leads us. So Yolanda, you also thought it would be, a, I guess, maybe a fun, wise idea to jump into a seance. Did you have a specific experience? We were stupid. Okay, that's just, that's just the bottom line. We were stupid. So this was probably like within a year of the, the cemetery experience. And I was staying with um, some friends one weekend 
and they were getting ready to go out and I just didn't feel like it, but I was like, you know, we were like, I think we were doing some pre-gaming. And so we decided that we were gonna, you know, cause it was like, this was up in the Hollywood, uh, the Hollywood um, and Vine area. Mm -hmm. oh, God, was the, I forgot the name of the apartments. It wasn't like that, that one where everybody was murdered, but it was like a really, oh, <laughs> the, that one hotel where everybody dies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In Atlanta, we but, call that murder Kroger. There's a Kroger where people just keep getting shot and killed for no reason. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, Move from there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But they lived in like this rather old apartments that I guess, you know, were pretty popular and cool back, you know, in the 80s at the time. And we decided to sit down board and just like, let's light some candles. Let's see, because this is an old apartment building. And we know like, you know, people, the famous people from the 20s and the 30s, and, you know, they lived here at some point. So let's see if we can conjure something up. So we decided to sit around. It was three of us. Um, I, I know it was Paco and I forgot the other guys, the other guy's name, but we sat around turned off the lights, we lit some candles and we sat around and we just kind of held hands and closed our eyes and we were just kind of like moving and just trying to get in the mood and we like invited, like if there's anyone here, please show yourself, please tell us. There was no like Ouija board or anything. It was just some candles in the middle. And we were just like, you know, just show us, you know, and just kind of feeling it. And I, I remember, I remember myself really like, and like searching for that feeling, like, like, maybe something like what, like what happened in the cemetery is going to happen. As we're doing it and I'm waiting for it, the candles blow out. So now, I mean, the candles just go out and we're like, oh crap, because we knew like nobody was doing anything. We were holding hands. Nobody like did anything weird. Nobody like, you know, went like, they're blue. There was nothing like that. Okay. <laughs> and so when we when it happened and we stopped and we all got freaked out and we're like, really, you know, and just kind of second guessing and like, did that really just happen? Did it really just happen? Let's do it again. So we did it again that time, but we both really, I mean, afterwards we realized we were just breathing hard to try and make it happen again. That time, nothing. <laughs> we were like, is it going to happen again? <laughs> I love the honesty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That second time. Yeah. We were like trying to, like, we were trying to make it go out and nothing happened. It was like, yeah, no. Oh, I think actually maybe one candle did go out. I'm not sure. I can't remember now for sure, but it was like, we were admitted to ourselves. We were forcing that. But that first one completely freaked us out. There was yeah. no doubt about it. The candles just went out. There was no open windows or anything like that. The candles just went out. And I think I'd never stayed back at their place again. And <laughs> so, yeah. I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. You're, you're wild child. You're braver than I am. <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, I remember when we did that whole thing in, um, in that apartment, it didn't even click with me at the time. I was hoping that I would have like some kind of experience like I had in the cemetery, but it's still, my young self was like, let's make it happen. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're and not realizing it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, you, you it, it, I think it's interesting, kind of the arc of your story. It's, it's, you know, I've said before, a lot of these stories are pretty cinematic, the way it kind of builds. And based on what you sent over, it's going to keep building. So can you tell us about mm -hmm. what, um, I think you said it was kind of your most significant experience you had? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Years went by. I didn't have any major experiences. So when my youngest was... 
we lived like, I think she, well, she was like eight or nine, as a matter of fact. Yeah, she was about that age. Um, we lived in uh, Houston, in the Southwest area, and we had a three-bedroom apartment. It wasn't old, you know, it wasn't like, you know, old, some, you know, old house where, you know, lots of people have died or some, you know, war ground area. I don't know. We had a three-bedroom. We had a roommate that um, was in one of the bedrooms, and she was, she was out. I, I, I knew that she was out. I knew that she was. So um, when you come in and you go past the kitchen and the living room, and then like once you turn the corner, there's a, the one big bedroom that I was in. Across from that is the bathroom. And then you go down further, and the girl's bedroom was on the left. And then my roommate's bedroom was on the right. She had the master bed. Girls are in bed. Everything's good. I'm laying on my, on my bed. I just cut, so I would get off work at 9 o'clock. Um, I'm laying on my bed, I'm watching TV, lights are out in the hallway, and I see somebody pass by, like coming from the bedroom to towards the living room. And it was like a white robe. I was like, I didn't think that, let's say, Renee was home. I didn't think that she, she's not home. And so I yelled out, Renee, are you, when did you get home? Nothing. No, look, nobody's there. Girls are asleep. Like, what's going on? Like, Okay, I know I saw somebody just walk by. And so I called Renee, actually. I called her and I was like, are you, are you, you're not home, are you? And she's like, no, I'm over. She was, I think she was at a friend's house or something. Well, she was, she wasn't home. And so I'm looking and I'm like, and it really, it just set, it just set with me. I was like, I clearly watched somebody walk by. And so when she came home the, the next day, because she didn't come home until the next day. So when she came home, I was like, somebody came from, that back, I thought it was you coming from the bedroom. I said, it wasn't my daughter's. So they were coming from the back area and they passed right by. And I just saw this white just pass by. I was wide away. Look, it wasn't me. There was just a bunch of little things that happened. And actually my, my youngest daughter told me some things about this that I completely forgot about. That she said, there was a man that would walk. Like, like the bedroom was right across from my, um, again, from my roommate's bedroom. Like you would just walk and go straight, just past and just walk through the, the wall at the end of the hall. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I forgot you told me this a long time ago after we moved out of that apartment. She's like, yeah, I told you that. And I, you know, and, I, and she said, so we just always slept with the door closed because we were so scared to see anything coming through. So there were other little things like um, we would just see like people randomly at the corner of your eye, but it got so bad that I literally went to the apartment management office and I said, who died in my apartment? I need to know because things are happening and it's just uncomfortable. Um, and they were like, nobody, well, they're not going to tell me, of course. I like how died. it wasn't, did somebody die? <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, did somebody die? I was like, who died? Somebody died in there. I There's no that. way that I was yeah. having all these experiences. Um, and, and you can't tell me that, that somebody didn't die. And then I had to think bigger picture. I was like, well, Maybe they didn't die in your apartment. Maybe they died on the property. Maybe they yeah. died on the land. Yeah. I, I don't know, but it was enough. And I know that it was scaring my daughter um, that she was just like, I. it was scaring her. She was seeing things. I think it's interesting, though, that you and your daughter both um, have the shining. It sounds like you both have the, the, the <laughs> gift, you know? For real. But the thing is, but the thing is, um, once it got to a certain point and I couldn't get answers, I was ready to move. I was like, we got to go. Yeah. Um, I'm breaking a lease. I don't care. We got to go right now. This is freaking me out. And then I had to really think big picture. I'm like, it's not doing anything to you. 
it's literally just showing up and like doing little things like, you know, like random clothing being moved. And like, I know that this, I know that this, these underwear were not like in the middle of the floor, then there's no reason for the, you know, nobody's sleepwalking that we knew of. So it's like, why are these things, these articles of clothing just disappearing and then showing up in some other random place that makes no sense. Um, my daughter also reminded me that at one point, one of um, um, the roommate had a uh, chest of drawer. It was like a high like drawer. And at the top drawer, her underwear were wet. Couldn't figure out why are your underwear wet at the top drawer? What is going on? It was urine. We cannot, we could not figure out how on earth, because I was like, were you drunk and did something really stupid? And she's like, why would I, why would I pour urine on my underwear in my drawer? Why would I do that? We can never figure out why that happened. Um, um, she moved out not long after that. <laughs> so, um, Jesus. That yeah. was okay. my, you were talking about the, the white robe. My fight or flight would have kicked in so fast. I would have just lit a match and ran. I, I don't know <laughs> how you stayed. I would have lost my mind. You're so much braver than I am. That's well, also a real hauntings first, having a, uh, a poltergeist urinating experience. I don't think... <laughs> We, I mean, and, and you know, and, and please believe me when I say, you know, I say that I'm a skeptic on a lot of things because I'm like, okay, there has to be a reason. Somebody did something. Somebody was sleepwalking. There's just no way, yeah. you know, and had it, maybe if it had happened in my kids room, I don't know, maybe it would have made more sense. But, and on top of that, it was at the top drawer. It wasn't like, this, this was like a high chest or drawer, like an armoire thing, but not armoire, That's but yeah. Easy. So I, I, we have always tried to make sense of that. And I literally have forgotten about it until my daughter reminded it. When I told her that I was coming on here, she was like, tell them about the underwear. And I was like, what about the underwear? And she was like, don't you remember? I was like, oh my gosh, the underwear, the urine. Yes, I completely forgot about that. I need to that. cut that out, out as a as a trailer for the <laughs> podcast. People be like, what kind of podcast is this? And I just play, oh my God, the underwear, the urine. The like, urine. I don't know, but I'm going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> we do our, our so media blitz for uh, October. We'll have to throw that in as a, a plug. Oh my gosh. But so eventually what I did have to do was I, I had to, um, because again, it was scaring my daughters. It was scaring me, but it was scaring my daughter so much that literally, I remember she wasn't, they weren't home at the time, but I went through the house and I walked through and I said, I, I went mother mode. I was like, I don't know who you are or what you are, what you are. I said, but it stops now. You will not show yourself to us anymore. And I just had like this really crazy stern talking to this, I don't know what. Um, but it did stop. Hmm. That's how you got to deal yeah. with it. That yeah. you got to stand your ground and point your finger. I don't have the guts to do it. I'll just run. But I know that's what they tell you. <laughs> stand your ground. Be tough. Tell them exactly what's going on. This is my house. I live here. Leave my kids alone. You can mess with the cat if you want, but everybody else is off the limit. Especially when it's some weird, kinky urine ghost. <laughs> it's a new band name, I call it. Yeah. <laughs> You've had quite the experiences I, I find it always interesting when the paranormal experiences don't stop for somebody when they're young because so many stories 
we hear that's the case. You know, they get to a certain mm -hmm. age and it's for whatever reason, it's like Santa Claus. It just, just goes away. If people are going to believe in the paranormal, which I mean, I'm basically at that point now where I, I'm a believer. I mean, you, I, I would think that you'd have to say just like people who wake up and can play the guitar. Um, I have a friend who we were in middle school. He could hear any Metallica song, pick up his guitar and shred. And I always looked at him like he was an alien. He was, he didn't know how to read music. You know, he just, it just right. happens. Um, I think if I had to venture an opinion, I would say there are people like that with the supernatural, whatever it is, however their brain work. I don't know if it's, it's trauma. I don't know if it's happenstance, but there does seem to be people that are more open to experiences than others. And I appreciate you telling us about those because it's, I'm sure it's not, I mean, you seem like a very strong person. So it may be easier for you <laughs> to talk about these experiences than it is for most, but it's not easy for everybody to come on and, you know, share something like a supernatural story. So I appreciate you doing that. And, and I wasn't going to, well, right now I'm actually um, in Austin because for some company stuff, but when I was going to actually do the reporting at home, may sound strong, but when I was going to do the recording at home, I was not going to do it in my actual apartment. Um, I went down to the lounge area or something like that in one of the quiet rooms to actually speak on it there because I didn't want to really speak on it in my home because I was still afraid that. of what might come afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I still think you're strong, even if you didn't want to do it in your apartment. So. <laughs> Thanks, I don't blame Rich. you. Don't invite yeah. anybody over that's not supposed to be there. I get it. <laughs> Look, we did. We had a period where I was trying to hunt down, uh, that sounds so dramatic. I was Googling and trying to find uh, somebody who had performed a exorcism. I was trying to find a Catholic priest that would come on and talk about an exorcism. And, and I had a dream. We had a, we had a guest come on and she said there was like this, this like, um, religious phrase she used when this demon came after her and it like essentially disappeared the demon and in my dream i felt you know this ghost demon whatever pushing down on my chest and it just and the pressure got more and more and more and more and i've had night terrors before i've talked about it on the podcast and i in the dream i start screaming out uh whatever the phrase was i don't remember at this time as a while ago and i'm sure you guys have either done this or experienced it with other people in bed but it's like um that going from dream speaking to real speaking doesn't come out quite as poetic as it does in the dream. <laughs> so while I'm mm -hmm. screaming this out to vanish this demon, my wife is laying in the bed next to me and I'm just like going, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and like writhing in the bed and she wakes me up. And I mean, I, I had sweat, I had tears running, you, you know, so I get yeah. that you don't, and that's just like my own brain, I assume creating that. I hope it wasn't an actual demon, but I, uh, I can understand why you wouldn't want to invite that into your home. Well, bef we we're up on our hour. Um, both of you have been excellent to have on the podcast. I appreciate your time. Yolanda, I know you said that you didn't really have anything you wanted to plug or anything like that, but is there any kind of last words you want to leave with our audience? Just um, keep an open mind and a strong heart. Some things are just, you can't explain it, but also I keep, I have a you know strong faith in myself and I have enough faith to know not to do this recording in my apartment. How about that? Okay. <laughs> that's fair. Well, um, something we can explain, Emily, where, God, that's so cheesy. Emily, where can our audience <laughs> find you to maybe book you for a tattoo or keep up uh, what other podcasts you're going on and all that kind of great stuff? 
So Instagram's always a really good place to find me. Um, it's got all of my updated portfolio images and you know, the story is probably filled with the latest convention that I was at. Um, but you can definitely go to emilyelegato.com. It's E-M-I-L-Y-E-L-E-G-A-D-O.com. Um, I know for sure next weekend, I'm going to be in Manchester, New Hampshire for the Live Free or Die tattoo convention. I'll be actually hosting it. So I'll be, I'll be on the mic next weekend. I'm very excited. Um, not tattooing at all. So if anybody's in the area, any listeners that want to uh, tell me their ghost stories or to come get a Brad tattoo and say hi to me, they can definitely come see me next weekend uh, at the convention center. So. Hey, Emily, didn't you say that you also are going to be in Savannah coming up doing some tattoos? Yeah, actually, believe it or not, I'm going to be at the Savannah Convention Center for the Villain Arts Savannah Tattoo Arts Fest. And it's October 21st through the 23rd. I'm really, really stoked. That's awesome. Yeah. So if our fans want to reach out to you to book something, could they do that now through your Instagram or how would they do that? You could do it through Instagram. You could do it through my email. The easiest way is to just go to my website, emilyelegato.com. Awesome. Awesome. And your home um, shop is at Foolish Pride. Is that right? It's Foolish Pride 2 in Clearwater. Okay. Foolish Pride okay. 1 down in St. Pete, but it's owned by the same company. Wait, you're so. over in Clearwater? I didn't know I that. Okay, here. very cool. We went there right before the pandemic and uh, bought into all the uh, the tourism. You know, <laughs> so. It's beautiful down here, man. I mean, yeah. I have so many friends and family that I've come to visit once and now are planning or yeah. already have moved here so and super close to tampa and you got a lot of stuff around you so it's a really great area yeah for sure very cool well awesome well audience make sure you go and check out all of emily's work if you're in the market for a tattoo i'm sure that uh eventually her books will open up and, and you can get in there and get a tattoo from the famous uh, emily both of you guys thank you so much and i would love for you to do the outro with me if you're both up for it next question is what is the outro glad you asked so um i will say my name i'll say uh i'm noah daniels uh emily you will say your name yolanda you will say your name and then after that we all go Whoa! Like three little ghosts. <laughs> okay. With that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm Emily Allegato. I'm Yolanda. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.